You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our student pastor, Gabe Pecoraro. I'm excited to be with you guys this morning. I hope that you guys had a really awesome Thanksgiving. If that was spent, you know, going to a bunch of different places, if that was at your house, if you cooked 25 turkeys, if you cooked no turkeys, however that was, I hope that it was incredible. Um, I know Ellie, my wife Ellie and I and our son Israel, we were kind of going everywhere, um, but it was a wonderful, wonderful day. And I think I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge the fact, like what was stated a second ago by Tatiana, that the holiday holiday seasons can sometimes be extremely difficult. They can be times where maybe you're adjusting to a new normal where there's a seat that's missing because somebody's passed away. Or maybe you're dealing with the fact that you have to walk into a Thanksgiving meal or a Christmas meal and you're trying to work through what a broken family dynamic looks like and how do we do this thing and why is this person talking behind this person's back and why doesn't this person show up for their kids and for their family and what is going on? And so as a church, we're entering into this holiday season and we're doing this series called His Name Shall Be. And as a lot of you guys probably picked up on your way in or maybe forgot about or maybe got missed and so you'll grab on your way out, there are these Advent cards. And what these are, they are our goal as a church. We wanna rally in this Advent season and what the Advent is, what that means is Advent is a long anticipated arrival of a wonderful, incredible person. And to us as believers, that's the arrival of Jesus. And so historically, what the church has done in the Advent season, the four weeks leading up to Christmas, is they've tried to rally together and put the focus on Jesus. And look back in the past of 2,000 years ago of Jesus as a baby being born in a manger and then living a perfect life and dying on behalf of our sins and rising again on the third day, They've looked back at that, tried to to focus their minds and hearts on that, but also as Christians and believers, we get to look forward to the advent of Jesus' second coming and recognize that not only is there hope yesterday and today, but there's hope forevermore. And so as we go through this time, our goal is that we would be marked as believers in our hearts, in our minds, and in our homes by the person and the names of Jesus. And so that's what we are doing in this series, his name shall be. And before we dive into any any scripture passage or, or anything like that, the question that I wanna pose to us first is where is your hope? As we talked about a second ago, as Tatiana mentioned, as as we talked about um, a little bit, the holiday seasons can be extremely difficult. And they can be this mixture, this conglomeration of the highest highs and the lowest lows. It can be the craziness of trying to get everything sorted out and get everything done. And oftentimes we are so busy, we're like an octopus on roller skates, we're moving a whole lot and going nowhere. And so where is your hope? And I think if we were to look into ourselves, take a minute to be introspective, we'll see that a lot of us probably have our hope in a bunch of different places. I'll give you an example. Personally, I think that Ellie and I this holiday season are going to have to fight against the hope for having a season of perfect firsts because this is our first holiday season with our little bundle of joy, Israel. 
And so he had his first Thanksgiving a couple of days ago. We had family photo shoot done a little bit before that. We've got those pictures done. He's about to have his, his first Christmas time with the family. And so are we going to constantly be warring against making a picture perfect, Instagram perfect, Facebook perfect holiday season and forget that there is a bigger reason for the season? Or maybe your hope is in the fact that if I can secure these three more clients and if I can do these three things and I'm gonna probably have to spend 60 hours of work here this week, I'm probably gonna have to do 60 to 70 this next week and if I can get all of these things done before the year ends, then I'm gonna get that promotion and I'm gonna get that bonus. And what you seem to forget is by putting your hope in that thing, you've got a family at home that needs you. And you've got a God in your heart that you're choosing to neglect a relationship with because you're, you're, you're the way that you're living is that the things on this earth are more important than the heavenly reality to come. Or maybe your season is not hopeful, it's actually hopeless because you're gonna be walking into a Christmas where you just wish, in my situation, I just wish that my uncles would be there. I just wish. People that believed in me when I was younger, people that cared about me when I was younger. Why can't they be there? What did I do to them? Why don't they respond to my text messages? And so if you are not careful, what's gonna happen is believers in Jesus, we live in two realities. We live in the reality that we see, but with Jesus in our heart, we live with the reality that Jesus purchased for us on the cross. And what is that reality? That reality is that there's peace that surpasses all understanding. That reality is that we have a glorious hope and a future that Jesus secured for us. That reality is that we have been bought back. We are co-heirs with Christ. That reality is those things. And so if we are not careful, when I was younger, I, one of my favorite artists is Israel. And there's an Israel CD and it's a live recording and in the midst of it, right before the second set that they do, a pastor comes on stage to open up the second set. And he's talking about this story, this interaction he had with he and his daughter. And the interaction is this, his daughter comes to him, she's sick, she's throwing up and she says, daddy, I'm sick. And he's trying to put his pastor hat on and be funny. He's like, no, you're not sick, you're healed. She's like, no, I'm sick, dad. He's like, no, you're healed by the blood of Jesus. And like trying to do the whole pastor thing. And eventually she looks at him. She says, daddy, I'm sick, but I'm healed. And I think that there's a powerful message in that. We live in two realities and one of them is gonna overwhelm the other one. And so are you gonna let the losing reality of things that are gonna fade on this earth overwhelm the winning reality of what Jesus has bought for you on the cross? And that's the choice that we have to make. Where? is our hope. Where's your hope? And on these Advent cards, we kind of have a, a scripture passage that is the opening, maybe the cornerstone of the names that we're gonna be studying with our families and spending time looking at. And the scripture passage is this, it's Philippians chapter two, verses nine through 11. It says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I'm not gonna spend a ton of time on this passage, but this is what I think we need to realize. 
that when it says that Jesus has been exalted by God the Father, I think that we have a little bit of a shoddy understanding of that because in the Greek, it actually means that Jesus has been, and and it's not gonna sound good grammatically, but Jesus has been super exalted. There is nothing higher than Jesus on the earth, under the earth, in the entire universe. And another thing that we see in this passage is that Jesus has always been God. Jesus has always been in the picture of the Trinity. Jesus was here before us. Jesus will be here throughout all of eternity. But what Paul is saying in this passage in Philippians 2 is through Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection, humanity now has a name for the face, a face for the name, the person of Jesus to look to when they think of God. And what do we see? We see that Jesus has been so highly exalted that one day everything on earth, under the earth, in the entire universe, in both word and in action, through tongue and through bowed knees, is gonna acknowledge that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so this is kind of our cornerstone passage throughout this series. And one thing that we want you guys to keep in your minds and in your hearts is you're studying these names with your family. And names, they, they actually, they have a big deal about how we view people. I'll give you an, just a personal example. Again, Israel was born in March. Well, before Israel was born, there's a lot of parents in the rooms that Ellie and I would have interactions with and they would make a joke and we wouldn't understand that joke. But now they make a joke and we probably get a shoulder tap or we probably get when we're talking about sleep training, oh yeah, you know about that. Or Israel's about to start crawling. It's like, oh boy, he is about to terrorize you. Your life is about to change. The circles that we got brought into are now different because our names have changed. Our titles have changed. And so as we look at the names of Jesus throughout this series, my prayer for you as a church is what Paul says in Philippians chapter one, verses nine and 10. He says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So my prayer for you guys and for myself is as we study these names of Jesus, our perception, our knowledge, our insight into the person of Jesus would grow and therefore our love is gonna grow. As we grow in knowledge of Jesus, we're gonna grow in understanding, we are gonna fall deeper and deeper in love with Jesus because we realize he's bigger than we ever thought. And so with all that being said, The name of Jesus that we're gonna be studying today is this name, Messiah. And in our Advent cards, this is day four, so this is this week, and the corresponding verse to it is this, Luke 2, verse 11. It says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this word Messiah, in the Greek, it translates to a word Christos. And what Christos means is this, it means anointed. And anointed simply means this, it means that commissioned to do a set work, it means set apart, it means anointed. And this word Christos has a long, long history It actually goes back uh, into the Old Testament and in the Hebrew, it's this word Matthiah. And what do we see with this word Matthiah? 
we see this. We see that it was often used to talk about people that were commissioned to do something like the kings in the Old Testament. You can see this in 2 Samuel talking about King Saul, the very, very first king of the people of Israel. And what do we see in the kings in the Old Testament? We see that they were told that if they followed God, if they'd obeyed his commands, if they were righteous, if they led the people well, that the Israelites would be brought into prosperity, into blessings, that the nations around them would fear them, that they would be close to God, their nation would be close together, and they would be set apart. And what happens? Well, as you guys probably could expect, as you've read about, as you know, because you're a person and I'm a person and we all do this, everybody messed up, right? All these kings, we see the ups and downs in mountains and valleys and these kings continued and continued and continued to mess up. And so the people of Israel, because of sin and brokenness and being separated from God, were brought into captivity and then were brought out of captivity and then brought into captivity again and temples were destroyed and kings were killed and, and the nation was split apart. And the people were constantly looking for these Matthias, these anointed, the Lord's anointed, to lead them and constantly were being let down because we as people are constantly letting others down because we mess up. And as you continue through the Old Testament story, you eventually get to the prophets, the major prophets of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And what do they start to talk about? They start to talk about not the Lord's anointed, but an anointed one. This word Messiah begins to evolve a little bit. And what do they say? Similar to what Jeffrey said today in Isaiah chapter nine, you see that there is going to come someone who is going to rule over all the nations, whose reign will never end, who will be ruler, who will judge with righteousness, who will bring peace and prosperity to the people, and no longer are we going to be in this tumultuous time of up and down and left and right, but there will be a foundation to cling to. And what happens? For hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, the Israelite people wait for the anointed one. And eventually, as we are celebrating this season, the anointed one, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, enters into the fold, enters into the picture. And what does it look like, his entrance? Well, there is a business CEO that I know of. Um, I don't know him personally, I know of him. Um, and he wanted to know what his workplace was like. Wanted to know what it felt like to do the daily grind, the nine to five. Wanted to know what it looked like to be in the store selling things and, and, and what do those relationships look like? How do the managers treat their employees and all that stuff? So this business CEO, he underwent a makeover and he cut his hair off. He got this really big, preposterous, fake mustache that I don't know why people didn't read right through that, but it was very, very interesting. Um, and he took off the business suits and put on the work uniform, right? 
And as he goes into the office, he begins to have these interactions that some of them are not great because managers seem to just not care about anything. And then one day he goes into a storefront and he meets this lady. And as he talks to this lady, as he learns more about her, he begins to find out about her story. And as in the midst of her encouraging him, because he doesn't know what he's doing, he's been in, in the business meeting rooms and been in the executive offices, he does not know what it looks like to do the thing. As she is encouraging him, he's learning about her. And he's learning that her and her kids live in a homeless shelter. He's learning before the homeless shelter, they were in and out of whatever bus stop they could sleep in that night, that they were trying to, to scrounge up enough food to be able to feed everybody. And she is in the office encouraging every single person and she can't even get her family in a home. And the business CEO, he's, he's overwhelmed with compassion. He doesn't know what to do. And eventually he reveals himself after making this connection. And he reveals himself as the CEO, one who can actually change her situation. And that's what he does. He gives her enough money to buy a house outright. She can pay cash for it. He gives her a status change of a promotion of no longer being subservient of actually leading the charge in this storefront. He builds into her, he connects with her, he gets her connected with other people, he gives her a pay raise and he, and he actually contributes to kids' college funds. What do we see? We see that he came in a position not of authority, but a position of service. He made the connection with those around him and then he revealed his status. When the Messiah enters into the fold, he comes just like you and I. And that threw everybody off. They wanted a conquering king and they got a suffering servant. And what do we see is the people of God. We see that Jesus belongs us into believing, that he cares for us, that it's out of the revelation of who he is and what he's done that we respond. And so that's what the Messiah looks like. In a passage that I think demonstrates what the Messiah Jesus does is a messianic prophecy. And it's this passage in Isaiah chapter 61, verses one through three, and this is what it says. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And we're talking about this word Messiah. We actually see this word. Remember, it means anointed. We see this word in this passage in Isaiah. It's a messianic prophecy referring to Jesus. And it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then it says, anointed me. There's that word again, Messiah. 
It's right there. And, and we see in Luke chapter four that Jesus actually goes into the synagogue and reads this same exact passage. And he does it a little bit differently because where we saw to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, all that stuff after that, Jesus actually stops at to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor because the day of vengeance has not yet come. And he stops there, he gets up, and the people start asking questions. What in the world's going on? And Jesus says, today in your midst, the prophecy has been fulfilled. Because Jesus is the fulfillment of that long-standing, hundreds of years prophecy. And what do we see? In the same way that the business CEO and what was undercover bosses bestows a higher position, a higher status to this lady, is able to give her a home, is able to provide for her the ministry that he was able to do, the Messiah, Jesus, has a ministry that he does. And what does that ministry look like? On Isaiah 61, it says this. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That's the first aspect that we see. And what do we know? We know that sin separates and sin impoverishes. Sin takes the richness of our spirit and it breaks it apart. It takes it away. And what do we know? We know that Jesus, the Messiah, brings good news to the poor in spirit. The good news of the gospel that while we were yet dead in our sin, Jesus died for us. The good news of the gospel that it's no longer just Israelites, but us as Gentiles are welcomed into the family of God. The good news of the gospel that while we were weak, he is strong and that we can boast all the more in our weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on us. The good news of the gospel to us lowly and poor in spirit. That's the first aspect of this ministry we see. And what's the next thing? We see that Jesus binds up the brokenhearted. What do we know? We know we live in a world that is desperately broken. You turn on the news, we live in a world that's desperately broken. You look out and you see what's happening in Israel and the Middle East. We live in a world that is desperately broken. Desperately if I look at my Christmas table, I see that I live in a world that's desperately broken. And Jesus has come to heal and to bind up our hearts. That although the reality around me is that I wish my family would all be there, I know that Jesus is with us. I know that we can continue to pray and it's gonna be a testimony of God's goodness when they come back. Jesus has come to bind up the brokenhearted. What else do we see? We see freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. When you feel hopeless and enslaved in your situation, Jesus has come to bring release to that. And now we can see what James says, to consider it pure joy when you face trials and testings of many kinds because the testing of our faith produces perseverance and perseverance will not be done until you are not lacking mature and complete in anything. I can consider it pure joy because my God is with me. That even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I do not need to fear any evil because he is with me. That is the ministry of the Messiah. That is the ministry of the God that we serve. What else do we see? 
Not only is this ministry happening today, but there's a glorious future that we get to look to. We get to look to the year of the Lord's favor and vengeance of our God. We get to recognize that because of what Jesus has done, there is a second coming that we can look forward to. And it doesn't have to be a day of vengeance for us as believers in Jesus, but it is a glorious day. And we get to look forward to the fact that Jesus has gone to heaven to prepare homes for us where there's many rooms, that we will be given new bodies, that we will be on a new earth. We will be able to reign with God for all eternity. That is what we get to look forward to. And what's the last element of this? He brings comfort to all who mourn. I think the holidays can be a season of mourning for a lot. And he does this in a few specific ways. Well, how does he do it? He does it through this. He gives a crown of beauty. And what does that look like? Well, in the Old Testament, you see when people go through periods of mourning, what they would do is that they would actually put ashes on their head to show the world that there was something extremely difficult that was happening. And what does Jesus do? He gives us a crown of beauty. That word beauty actually literally translates to headdresses and is used in different passages in Ezekiel and elsewhere to be headdresses. And so instead of wearing ashes on our head, we get to wear the beauty of the gospel, that Emmanuel is with us, that the Messiah has saved us, the anointed one has come for us and show that to other people, that there is a crown of beauty in the midst of the morning. He brings oil of joy instead of mourning. We see that joy oftentimes represents life and prosperity and anointing, right? Someone that is being commissioned to do a service oftentimes is anointed with oil. And what do we see? We see Jesus brings life, prosperity, and Jesus brings purpose. And so if you are still breathing, if you are not dead, God is not done. And so even in the midst of the chaos, even in the midst of trying to work through the holidays looking like a new normal, you have been commissioned by God to show others the love of Jesus you have been commissioned by God to do the things. You have been given gifts and talents and abilities that you can use to glorify God. So in the midst of the morning, you have been given purpose. He gives us a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. One of the things that I absolutely love about being out in the congregation, um, I obviously love being able to lead worship on Sunday mornings, but sometimes I have this like kind of battle in my head and my heart of like, do I like being out here a little bit more? Because it's so incredibly encouraging to me to be able to hear you guys sing. That in the midst of all the stuff that you guys are going through, and all the things you guys are singing to God and to one another. And one of the greatest encouragements that we have is the fact that we can put on a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That we can choose to worship and let worship be our weapon to remind our hearts that God is bigger than the situation that I'm in. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And the last thing is that we as the people of God can be oaks of righteousness. What does that mean? Well, I think a great way to talk about this is to tell a story. Um, 
So as, as you know, I kind of mentioned earlier, um, the holiday season for my wife and I and for our families these last couple of years has been extremely difficult. Because in the last two years, um, we've lost in our like four sides of the family, we've lost four heads of the family, four grandparents. Um, and it's been hard to try and adjust to new normals. It's been hard when you think about traditions and trying to figure out new things. And my grandma passed away in February um, and she passed away pretty fairly suddenly. And her and my grandpa, a lot of you guys probably know him as Pop Pop or Tony or Have a Jesus Field Day. Um, and he had been married to Yaya for 53 years. Lost his life partner, his best friend. And they were at the marriage like level of like, you knew how much they loved each other, but also they like could not stand each other, if y'all know what I'm talking about. So like, yeah, so they'd be saying something or a good story is my grandma went to like wipe something off my grandpa's face. He was, Get your hands off of me. Like, just like, but they loved each other so incredibly deeply. And so Ellie and I are staying with my grandpa. We're trying to keep him company over the, the you know, this is the day of his funeral. We're staying there that night. Um, and he is so done with us being there because he wants to be by himself. We're making sure that he's actually like eating some good sustenance. You can't just have cake and frappuccinos. Like you have to eat. Like you cannot just do that. He is so angry with us. And dinner that night, Pastor Robbie is actually bringing some dinner. And so he brings dinner. Um, it's, it, I think it's probably Cracker Barrel. That's the only place he eats. And it's Cracker Barrel. He, he drops it off. He gets it kind of set up. And, and Robbie asks my grandpa, can I pray for you? And of course, my, my grandpa accepts it. And, and Robbie prays for my grandpa and then finishes up. Robbie's like walking out the door and Pop Pop grabs him. He's like, Robbie, how can I pray for you? And Robbie kind of tries to like brush it us, like, dude, you just lost your wife. Like, you, we're good, we're good. Like, he's like, no, how can I pray for you? And he insists. And Robbie tells him some stuff that's going on and you can see that through tears and, and through heartbreak, that struck a chord with my grandpa. That he felt compassion for another person's situation in the midst of losing his wife of 53 years. And what does my grandpa do? In that very moment, breaks into prayer and prays for Robbie. That is what an oak of righteousness looks like. That in the midst of his world being rocked, in the midst of losing his, his spouse of 53 years, he is able to then lift his head up, recognize that Yahya is with Jesus in heaven and I can continue to do work here on earth. And as believers, every single one of us need to recognize that. Where is your hope? Where is my hope? Am I going to let the seasickness of the crazy situation rock me that I forget my foundation is Jesus' blood and righteousness? And so my challenge to you guys as a church is this, is to dig into the names of Jesus to love the Lord your God with your heart, recognize what he's done and let that shake you to your core, and with your mind. Grow in knowledge so that your love may abound more and more and more. 
so that us as renovation body members, when we walk about in the earth, we might be getting rocked to the core by our situations and our holiday seasons, but our God is bigger than that and he is with us. And so we can show others the love of Jesus in the midst of it all. So that's my challenge to you guys. And before I pray, I wanna remind you guys that we, one, we have a prayer line that you guys can text. We love to pray for you guys. We actually have a team of us who get those text messages regularly. And we also have a prayer team that'll be down front. We would love to pray with you. The pastors would love to pray with you. Um, So I wanna challenge you, if there's a situation going on in your life, um, please, please, please come and talk to us. We wanna be there for you guys. But let's bow in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for who you are, that you are Messiah, that you are the anointed one that we can lean on and that we can trust. In this season, may we grow more and more in knowledge of you and may it stir up a love and a care for you and for others. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.